Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Lose Yourself as a program is a call to discipleship. That means our first and most important task in this life is to bring glory to God and to let Him define us and give us our purpose. Appropriately this weekend is Super Bowl Sunday, where some is going to reach the highest achievement of their professional life with millions of dollars in worldwide fame. Monday is coming, however, and either whether it's the crushing despair of defeat or the elation of that win, friend, with those players, I empathize and I celebrate. And in fact, there are many godly professional athletes who use that as a platform for their faith. But for those who are only seeking their own fame, Monday morning is going to be rather difficult. Whether they were chasing that ring and they came up short, or whether they thought that that trophy was going to be the answer to all of their prayers and validate their life, they might find themselves disappointed. Today, we continue in our series on discipleship, and we're going to talk about how we can live a life of purpose validated by God. We're off to a great start this year in our series on discipleship. We've already visited a lot of different topics, like we asked the question, who discipled you? Because many people can't answer that question, and it really emphasizes the discipleship challenge that we're facing right now in the 21st century. We moved on to Upward, Inward, Outward, which talks about how the empowerment comes from God, changes us, and we in turn are used by Him to change the lives of others through the discipleship process. We talked about intimacy with God and how do we do that? And do you have intimacy with God? Because Christianity is more than just an empty religion. You can know God and He can change your life in this process. We then went to Infancy to Maturity. We talked about how when we come into faith, we come literally spiritually from death to life, and we come as infants. We have no foundation, and especially if we're later in life, our station in life and our socioeconomics and our professional status do not necessarily make us spiritually mature. We have to continue in our faith journey to get that maturity. We continued that last week and kind of completed that thought in terms of moving from death to life to an infant, to a child, to an adolescent, to an adult and our parent, and how our relationship with God through that spiritual cycle changes because as a baby, we have ignorance. We don't even know what our faith means, and so we ground ourselves. And sometimes when we're young in the faith, we're still immature, and we have ulterior motives in what we're trying to get out of our faith relationship. And then from there, we move into adolescence where we kind of start understanding and we start serving and God starts using us on a limited basis. And then finally, we move into a role of that spiritual parent to someone else where we as disciples start making other disciples and we are then reproducing our faith in others. The same life change that came to us, we're able to help others discover that same transformation in their own life. Also, we talked about how God changes our heart first as we get saved, changes our mind through scripture, changes our affections, what we value and what our priorities are. 
And that causes us to change our will, where we bend our selfishness and our narcissism to him. And we're able to find greater meaning and purpose. And when that happens, it changes our relationships. In some cases, people want us to stay back the way we were. And that's kind of weird. But in some cases, people are amazed with the transformation that happens in our life as we get victory over problems and issues and we grow in our maturity and our faith, which leads to a transformed purpose, which means that our lives then have a greater meaning, a new mission, a new kind of rubric for how we value, how we spend our time, money, talents. And God just continues to transform us. And so it's been a great start to this series because it's made me even think about in my life, how am I growing? How am I transforming? How am I doing on my journey? And most importantly, am I bringing anyone else along with me? My friend always says, who's close to you but far from God? And that is a question that we should always be asking. You will not escape a room without somebody in that room being far from God in every situation presents an opportunity for us to invest in the lives of others and to help bring them along in their spiritual journey, whether that's to faith or deeper in their faith. Today, I wanted to take a look at Real Life Discipleship Training Manual, where I was last week, and talk about just this neat treatment that they have in here of the follow me passage in Matthew chapter 419. It says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It was interesting how you just break that apart, and it it talks about how we reinforce last week's conversation. It begins with follow me. We are called to receive Christ, to receive that grace, and we're beckoned by the Holy Spirit to enter into that relationship with God. And what it looks like is Christ says, follow me. And Romans says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is where we begin our faith journey. We said, God, I can't save myself. I need you. I need your grace. Please forgive me. I want to be a Christian, something to that effect. And that begins this new chapter in our life where we believe the gospel and we act on it. From there, it's, I will make you. The empowerment of Christ, Holy Spirit, will make you. That means that we are not already there, friend. That means that we have a path and we have an arc that we are going to grow and that we are going to embrace the adventure that is our discipleship process. And God is going to grow us and stretch us in ways we had no idea through scripture, through spiritual disciplines, through the investment of others, through experiences of just trusting him. There's an amazing journey that we all go on to varying levels of uh, comfort and discomfort and success and uh, failure, but that's okay because that's all part of the journey. And then finally it says, and I will make you fishers of men, which means we reproduce. Fishers of men is not just about going out and casting lines and catching fish. I mean, some people in evangelism, it's almost kind of like a fishing contest. It's like, how many can I catch? And I do understand that, yes, we want to be aggressive. And yes, we want to be useful and not miss opportunities. But it's so much more than just casting a line and pulling it in the boat. There's many times that when we become fishers of men, we are called to walk alongside those people. We are called to help them in their journey, help them navigate scripture, help them in uh, accountability. And in some cases, they provide that accountability right back to us. For example, Jesus Christ had 12 disciples who followed him, who learned from him, who emulated his character, who grew in their abilities. And again, I cannot get over the difference between Simon Peter 
the disciple who could not seem to do literally anything right, and the Simon Peter that we discovered in Acts and the New Testament, where he grows from being completely incompetent to someone who is bold, who is a leader, someone who is used greatly. And I and everybody else who's read the New Testament owe Simon Peter a debt of gratitude, not only for sometimes making us feel better because he looks like us sometimes. When I read the scripture, I see Peter and I go, gosh, I can do this because he made so many mistakes and so perfection is not the standard. Maybe there's hope for me yet. But then also through his example and saying, wow, Peter made this huge change in his life. He grew. He is not the same person that Christ encountered at the end of his ministry. Peter provides that standard that, yes, we are to grow, and that transformation does indeed happen. And finally, I'm indebted to Peter for his written work, his epistles, that are incredibly instructive and powerful and transformative. And I just use him as an example of someone who was a disciple, literally, not just a title that we give to people in the New Testament that were influential, but as someone who walked with Christ and had his life transformed. In Peter, I see hope for myself. So friend, I need to ask you a few questions. First of all, have you followed Christ? Have you ever in your life had a moment where you had that encounter, where you realized that you were sinful, that you were separated from God, that you were in need of Christ's grace. The beauty of the gospel is God incarnate came, took on the human form, which is a humiliation even in itself, but then lived a sinless life, was crucified, and then rose from the dead and conquered death and hell. The beauty of that gospel resonates with us to understand that we are woefully inadequate. I cannot do what Christ did, neither can you. And that is the standard. But the good news is he didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means when he says, follow me, it means we are called to repentance. We're called to grace. We're called to the gospel. Friend, have you ever done that? Secondly, friend, have you ever had that moment where he says, I will make you? Maybe you've even prayed to receive Christ. Maybe you've been going to church for a long time, but you say, Mike, I have never been transformed. I have never been made into a disciple. Other than grace, I might be in very similar condition to how I was when I joined a church or came to faith. Friend, that day is here, and I encourage you. That's what this series is about. You're not alone. We are in a country and in a culture where there's a lot of people who've attended church. There's a lot of people who might have been raised in a quote-unquote Christian family, but have no idea about the gospel, no idea what it means to be a disciple, and they're either stagnant or maybe they just misunderstood what it was in the first place. In those situations, friend, I encourage you to make a decision for Christ, to commit to being a disciple. Open the Bible. It's early in the year. There's many of these Bible reading programs that you can get where you just spend a little bit of time every day in God's word. Let that word soak into your life and instruct you. And uh, as John chapter 15 says, prune you like a vine, like help you remove things from your life that are harmful and help you focus on how you can grow in your faith. Because what is waiting for us, friend, is the opportunity to be fishers of men. Whether that means looking around and having faith conversations with people who do not know Christ 
or whether that means bringing along disciples that are going to grow in their faith and possibly even take on a ministry role of their own. That is what is missing from our attractional model right now. Again, I'm not dissing a attractional church altogether. There's some wonderful ministries out there, but I'm just saying it cannot function by itself. We get complacent when the machinery does all the work for us. And what we really need in the church today is regular, ordinary people having faith conversations, leaning into those around them, and changing lives. That is when the church is at its most powerful. That is when gospel movements happen. That is when revivals happen. And I think that is something that I encourage everyone to in their path to, because how much more important would it be if a thousand people just committed to open their Bible every day and grow and get one other person to do the same? That is going to move more powerfully sometimes than just attendance at functions. And so, my friend, that's my charge to you today is follow Christ, let him change and grow you so that you can be a fisher of people or a discipler or a mentor, whatever you want to call it in today's lingo. We need that. We need you. I finished off last week with the same kind of plea saying, friend, you don't know who's in your midst. The next Billy Graham might be in your classroom or your car dealership or your neighborhood and you might have a chance to change a life. And in so doing, change the lives of millions of people. Maybe God's calling you to ministry. That is something I'm gonna speak openly about in this series, that we need good people in ministry. And it doesn't have to be vocational ministry. We just need people to equip themselves, function at a high level, make themselves available to the maximum benefit of our community. Friend, I'm out of time again. Thank you for joining me today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.